I called it dancing. Sometimes we danced in harmony. We had good times, you know, my dad was a funny guy. And then sometimes I say we danced out of step and we just didn't see eye to eye. And that's of course, even before Louie body. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, the author of two books on caregiving, and an international presenter on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And you keep me healthy because you definitely keep me laughing. It's the best medicine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the past episodes, we mentioned that my dad had been diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. However, I don't know that we mentioned that the doctors never, ever mentioned that. And it wasn't until after he passed and we looked at his records, or actually you looked at his medical records, that you saw the annotation in there of the Lewy body dementia. And I I think maybe part of that was he had so many other issues. We knew he had dementia. They just didn't call it Lewy body. But between the schizophrenia and the Parkinson's and congestive heart failure and stubborn old Italian disease, um, we had our hands full, (laughs) regardless of what the uh, diagnosis was. Today's guest comes to us from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and is a volunteer educator for the Alzheimer's Association. She brings her experience as a caregiver for her dad, who was diagnosed with vascular dementia and later Lewy body dementia. She is a writer, speaker, trainer, and mentor, focusing on caregiving. Please welcome to Roger That, Ms. Nancy Poland. Nancy, welcome. And you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that your dad was diagnosed with vascular dementia and later Lewy body dementia because in that long list of various dementias is what's called mixed dementia, when people have more than one form at the same time. And I can only imagine what those challenges might have been. So you want to start us off by telling us a little bit about your dad and how you got into this? Well, thank you, Bobby and Michael. I am so happy to be here with you today and share with your listeners. Well, my dad started exhibiting kind of unusual symptoms for him, you know, in his 50s, definitely into his 60s. And, you know, he was starting to have some money problems with his business and um, just different issues with later, I realized was executive functioning. He was still an amazing man. He was a World War II veteran. He owned his own business for years. He loved people. He loved to tell stories and jokes. But, you know, he just says he aged, you know, just things change. And first we thought, well, it's just normal aging. But then, you know, it was very clear that there was something wrong. So we took him to a neurologist. He had a whole battery of tests and they said he had vascular dementia. Well, he was so relieved and we were kind of relieved too because he didn't have Alzheimer's. You know, so we thought, well, you know, vascular, we can, you know, maybe there's some drugs or something for these little mini strokes and, you know, he, he slowly but progressively got worse. And then once my mom died, you know, things really took a downhill turn because they had taken care of each other. And, you know, he was couldn't figure out how to do his pills, couldn't figure out meals. So we, we put him into kind of quasi-assisted living. And from there, he must have had strokes or something. And he ended up in, we couldn't care for him. By the time he died, he couldn't even walk. And then just months before he died, they said he had Lewy body dementia, 
which I had barely heard of Lewy body dementia. He's been gone for 10 years. And, you know, by that time, we were just numb. It's like, okay, you know, what else? <laughs> but since then, I've learned so much about the different dementias and the diseases. And, you know, and, and just I'm sure you've liked this, too, that if you'd known what was wrong with Michael's dad, you know, much earlier, maybe you could have, you know, helped him with, you know, keep moving and that type of thing. But, but yeah, it, it was an interesting journey. You spoke about the many different kinds of dementia. And what it sparked in me was the fact that still a lot of people are confused. What's dementia? What's Alzheimer's? What's Lewy body? And the fact is there are so many different kinds and it's and mixed dementia is not as rare as people might think it is. So with your experience, could you just take a minute or two to explain some of the different kinds of dementia? Sure. So we think of dementia as the umbrella term. You know, it's like having cancer. You know, you can have lung cancer, or breast cancer, or kidney cancer. Dementia is just an overall umbrella term. And there's many different kinds. So Alzheimer's is the most common. They think it's about 70-80% of the dementias, which is plaque and tangles in the brain. And it kind of manifests its own set of symptoms, even though everybody is different. Um, Lewy body dementia, they're saying now they think it's the second most common dementia. Um, so it's instead it's like these protein clusters in the brain where it can affect different parts of the brain. You know, it can affect speech or it can affect walking. And often people with um, Lewy body dementia get hallucinations, you know, which is really scary. I think my dad had some, but he really didn't talk about them. He just told me once he saw an angel in the corner of the room and once he told me he saw me come over in a flowered dress, which I didn't have. So... Did he have bad, horrible hallucinations? I don't know. Um, there's things like frontal lobe dementia, which often does seem to hit younger people. And that kind of causes its own set of symptoms. We had a friend who um, died of frontal lobe dementia. So there, there's just multiple kinds. And I think that's why it's so important to get a diagnosis. I mean, the, the neurologists can do certain things. And they did say my dad, you know, when they said vascular dementia, it was a pattern not like Alzheimer's. And, you know, and so then there are some drugs that help with the symptom of Alzheimer's. You know, there could be dementia with Parkinson's. There might be different drugs that help with that or, you know, just some other intervention type programs. And there's no cure for any of these right now. But I just think it's important to get a diagnosis and understand, you know, as much as you can what you're dealing with. You know, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned the um, component of hallucinations with the Lewy body. And my dad definitely had the Lewy the hallucinations. But looking back, it's kind of hard to differentiate. The He was also diagnosed as a schizophrenic young in when he was very young. So the hallucinations from the schizophrenia yeah. versus the hallucinations around the Lewy body, to differentiate between that, you know, looking back, we, we can't and we don't know which one was which. No, and it really didn't, it really didn't matter. But I, I got to the point where I knew I would tell Mike the others are here today, mm, uh, and yeah. uh, they 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 would make him very agitated. I asked him one time because <clears throat> he definitely hear, heard voices. Yeah, what the what the voices said to him, and he wouldn't tell me what they said. He just said they made him suspicious mm -hmm. and angry. And I talked to his psychiatrist one time, and he said, Bobby, they never say anything good. Mm. Believe me, 
they never say anything good. But when we get back to Lewy body and you mentioned the medications, one thing that we discovered in, in dealing with Roger, even not knowing it was Louis, it became clear afterwards that the medications that they were giving him for his dementia, he had the opposite reaction to whatever it was. If it was said, you know, a side effect may make you sleepy, he'd be awake for three days. If a side effect was you would gain weight, he would lose weight, no matter what it was. Yeah, he yeah. had the opposite effect. You know, and there's medications that they, they'll give older people to calm them down, and they're so harmful with dementia. And I remember, you know, in the, when my dad first went to the hospital and he fell and we didn't know what was going on, and he was extremely agitated. And they finally said they were going to give him this medication. And I, I called my sister, who knows a little bit more about medical things. She's worked in rehab and with people with head injuries. She goes, do not let them give him that medication. Well, there, there came a point we didn't really have any choice because he was just so agitated. He was you know, throwing off covers and trying to get out of bed and you know, squeezing the nurse's hand so tight that they did. And again, in the nursing home, they gave it to him. And then it was really hard to get him off of it. So it's... Yeah, medications are unpredictable, and as you know, science moves on, we know more and more about um, you know personalized medicine, and that people do react differently with different medications. And we had such a combination of medicines because of his what they call comorbidities were yeah. so so extreme, um, and then you get into this medication causes this symptom, so we're going to give him this medication, and. By the time he came to us, he was taking 18 different medications, which knowing what I know now, I would have not allowed that to happen. I would have, you know, talked to his doctor, said, start taking some of this away. Um, Because he had been on antipsychotics since the 1940s. Oh, and who knows, you know, what they were doing. And, you know, in this day and age, they hopefully know more, but... Well, they didn't know what they were doing back then. It took them a long time. I mean, my dad underwent a number of experimental treatments Mm -hmm. that were kind of radical, and they actually wanted to do a... A lobotomy. Yeah, and an injection, and my grandmother would not allow them. Mm. And he was grateful because two men that were allowed, they died. But he was, was, you know, in the psychiatric ward in the era of... um, electric shock treatments, yeah, ice yeah. baths, yeah. Um, the, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, there was a suggestion that they might try electric shock therapy again. And we said, absolutely not. No. Because he had talked about how he fought and fought and fought, and they did it anyway, yeah. and, you know, how horrible it was. But and there was is, no point in it at that time. No, no, that is horrible. And it's... And then you think about what happens to people when they're young and then when they're old and they get a brain disease. Yeah. I mean, even like ball players or with head injuries or concussions and things or, you know, treatments for mental illness. And, you know, they know a lot about the brain, but there's so much they don't know and how these things affect people. And exactly that's part of what our outreach is. And I imagine yours is as a dementia trainer is teaching the caregivers why people with dementia behave in some of the ways that they do because of the damage to the brain. Yeah. And our brain controls everything. Yeah. Our sight, our hearing, our sense of taste, our sense of touch, our emotions, our reaction to what's going on around us. 
But because people don't really understand dementia, yeah. they they can't figure out why this person is behaving in this way. Exactly. And that's why I love being a volunteer community educator for the Alzheimer's Association. No, I'm not getting paid for this plug. <laughs> so I'm just a volunteer. But, but they have some of the greatest, you know, how to handle behaviors, you know, how to handle, you know, communication with the person with dementia and at the different stages. And, you know, I wish I knew, of course, when my dad had dementia, what I know now. And that's why I, I just love trying to teach people, you know, some of these things. You know, what do you do when mom gets really agitated and she's, you know, upset and throwing things? Or what do you do when dad wanders down the street? You know, just trying to teach people, you know, here's what kind of what's going on. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe, you know, their routine has changed. You know, just, just help people understand, you know. One, how to use resources, how to use the Alzheimer's Association or your medical team or whatever, and, and you know, find the best ways to deal with some of these situations. You know, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that we've learned along the way is behavior is communication. Yes. It's, it's like, a, like a baby, right? They can't yep. communicate verbally, so they communicate in actions or other means. And what we as the caregivers have to do is try to zero in on what they're trying to tell us. Yeah. Are they in pain? Are they hungry? Is is there something else bothering them? Are they uncomfortable? Are they cold? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we know our son gets hangry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> well, I think of it, my husband who, you know, he doesn't have dementia, but I was on the phone today and I came out and he's standing there telling me, I don't know why we have this dishwasher. I don't know why this thing is here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I finally found out he fell over the dishwasher door <laughs> oh. and he had really hurt himself. He was in pain, but, you know, he didn't want to tell me he fell. So he was kind of lashing out at the poor dishwasher. And, <laughs> you know, so, I mean... Some of these things we learn just help us in daily life that, yeah, I, yeah. I hope he bought the dishwasher some flowers to, to <laughs> well, yeah, ease yeah, those yeah. hurt feelings. <laughs> I know, that poor dishwasher, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I know I get hangry too. My blood sugar plunges and everybody's, oh, I haven't, didn't have lunch or enough protein. So yeah, behaviors are interesting and, you know, especially when people can't communicate. Yes, so, you know, I was drawn to you when I saw the term dancing with Louie. Yes, yes. So tell me about where that title came from. I mean, we, we talk about music and dementia. We talk yeah. about dancing with dementia. Tell me where that came from in your, in your story, your journey. So I, I titled my book, Dancing with Louis, A Father-Daughter Dance Before and After Louis Body Dementia Came to Live With Us. And it's not literal dancing. It's more, so, you know, I'm from Minnesota, and they say that we're kind of indirect up here. We, you know, instead of saying, I really need a fork, boy, it should be nice if someone handed me a fork. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, with a father-daughter relationship, you know, my dad, he had four daughters, by golly, we weren't going to tell him what to do. You know, he was the independent man. He was the dad. And so sometimes I found myself dancing around the issues, which in retrospect, I wouldn't recommend, but this is how it was. And driving became a big problem with him. We knew he couldn't drive. He was getting in accidents. Accidentally, he showed me he'd been written up a ticket, and it 
on it, the police officer wrote down he'd been pulled over five times in the last year. Well, he probably had no idea I was reading that. And so, but instead of just sitting down and saying, Dad, you know, we love you. We want to help you figure this out. It was just like, Dad can't drive anymore. So let's get the doctors to take him off the road. So I remember one doctor appointment I was with him. I wrote down on a piece of paper and held it up behind his back. Driving problem. And so, you know, the doctor goes, you know, do you have driving problems? My dad's like, oh, no, I'm fine. Well, that didn't work so well. You know, so sometimes I felt like, you know, I was trying to not pacify him, but trying to help him see, you know, what the problems were. And then he'd always surprise me and spring up and, you know, like he had an impeccable sense of direction, even, you know, through dementia. So I remember once he couldn't drive anymore. So we had the local kind of medi bus. Well, he got on the wrong bus and he ended up walking home about a mile. And of course, we're in a panic. Where's dad? Where's dad? My mom's like, he's supposed to be home. And, you know, so just when you think he couldn't do anything, he finds his way home. You know, they were in a fairly new neighborhood. So that's why I called it dancing. We were, you know, sometimes we danced in harmony. We had good times. You know, my dad was a funny guy. And then sometimes I say we danced out a step and we just didn't see eye to eye. And that's, of course, even before Louie Body. Dementia. So that's kind of where I came up with the title, Dancing with Louie. Well, I think I think it's a it's a wonderful title and uh, and wonderful explanation. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to email me after this, you know, I have a handful of copies left I could give them. Awesome. I would say the first five people who email me could get a free copy of the book. Excellent. Email me at author at nancyrpoland.com. I also have some other free resources. I have an important documents checklist that people can download for free and fill out and helps you track with yourself, your loved ones, you know, where are your insurance papers, where are your legal papers, you know, where's your house title. So that that's a free resource they can get too. And we'll put all of those links on, on our website and make okay. sure that people have access to it. Great. So a lot of times when we're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia and being caregivers, we talk about the hard times. You talk about the difficult times. Yeah. In your terms, talking about it when you're out of step. But there's these wonderful moments of clarity that comes with it. The good times. And we had several of those with Roger. Would you like to share one or two that you had with your dad? Well, sure. So when finally my dad was unable to drive anymore, he still had what he called his office. And it was in northeast Minneapolis. It was close to where I worked. It was actually just like the basement couple rooms in a old warehouse where he repaired glass and crystal for people and did some other things, you know, before until he couldn't. But so I, it was convenient enough that I would drive him to work and drop him off. And, you know, that was just really special times. He told me some stories about his childhood I hadn't heard. There was one little church on the way that every Friday they passed out free coffees. So that would be like our little trip on Fridays to get free coffee. And, you know, it was just, it was like alone time with him. And he was kind of an element because he could still speak, you know, pretty clearly. And so, you know, that was, that was really special. Another kind of neat time was I took both my parents um, to Michigan for my nephew's wedding. And we flew and, you know, it was just kind of fun to take a trip in the although I felt like the little mother hen at the airport trying to keep them, especially my dad who wanted to wander off, you know, and <laughs> go find a phone to call somebody. But, um, you know, so there were some really fun times. And that was just a really special memory of, you know, being with my parents and kind of being on a different level with them. 
you know, a colleague with them taking a little trip. And again, we got to Michigan. Again, my dad, like, he knew I was going the wrong way to the hotel. I don't know how he knew, but that part of his brain just really maintained. I never had that part of my brain. <laughs> and I, I got my mother's sense of direction. I mean, you'll get lost in my neighborhood, so. I get lost in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. So, you know, there's, and, you know, there were just funny things that would happen. You know, sometimes you just have to laugh, <laughs> you know, with dementia. We have many of those instances. Yes, yes. Although going through it at the time, most times it was stressful, but looking back on it, you go, wow, that was actually kind of funny. Yeah, yep. I know one time I, and this was early in the diagnosis before I really got a clue what to do. And I went over the house and their cable TV wasn't working. And so my dad, you know, I can't get the channels I want. So I'm like, okay, I'll call him. So I said, I'm going to call him dad and, you know, we'll get it straight now. So I call the cable TV company and they're like, is this Lee? And I'm like, well, no, this is his daughter. Well, I can't talk to you. I have to talk to Lee. I said, okay, I'll go get my dad and he'll say it's okay to talk to you. So I say, Dad, will you tell them, you know, they can talk to me about the TV? He takes the phone. Do not talk to my daughter. Do not do anything <laughs> she says. <laughs> Just like, I'm like, Dad, you know, I'm like, I'll call you back. So from then on, we would rehearse what we would say when I would get on the phone to try to speak for him. Now, Dad, you tell him it's okay to talk to me. Okay, I will. You know, he had no clue, but yeah, looking back, it was very annoying. I mean, looking at the time, it was annoying, but now it's just kind of funny. Right. And those are the kind of things that we hold near and dear. Yeah, yep. <laughs> like the time your dad called 911 to see if it worked in Virginia like it did in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to meet a very nice deputy sheriff, didn't you? Yes, oh, I there did. You go. Yep, yep. And I know when... I had three sisters, and, you know, he got to the point, well, you know how you get your kids' names mixed up. Well, he couldn't even remember us. So he's talking to my sisters, and one of them asked about something. He points to me, he goes, well, go ask the bossy one what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I was the one who kind of controlled the money and the situation. So now my sisters still think that's funny and call me the bossy one sometimes. I, I kind of I like that, the bossy yeah, one. I, hey, you know, it works for me, so. <laughs> well, we keep the labels. I know I have kept the label. Of, of the one that does everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike went to work every day to support us so I could stay home and, and take care of his dad. Oh. So we were at the doctor's office and frequently the doctors would mention, Mr. Carducci, your daughter-in-law takes good care of you. Um, you're lucky to have her. Why don't you take her out to lunch? And he'd look at them and say, she's okay. She cooks. She cleans. My, my son does everything. So, which <laughs> to this day, Mike said, you know, he does everything. Gotta, there you go. You, yeah. I got to do that. everything around here. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's interesting how their perception can change. And, and he was very much old school um, oh, yeah. when he came to live with us. And, you know, I became the bossy one. Yeah, yep, yeah. And, you know, he said to me one day, you know, in Italy, in the old country, women are second-class citizens. Oh. And I said, you realize you don't live there anymore and you're my, you're in my house now? Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. He didn't say that again. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of that old world perception goes into that too. And as you said, you were the daughter. You, daughters don't tell dads what to do. That comes into play a lot in caregiving as well. And even among spouses. Yeah. My husband's not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> right, right. 
you know, and I I talk a little bit about roles, and um, Dr. Aaron Blight has some really in, an interesting book when caregiving calls, and it talks about the roles we play. And yeah, if you've been the daughter, or the son, and all of a sudden you have to be in a place where you're trying to get them to do certain things, you know, you might get really irritated because that's how you reacted, or you might just clam up, you know, and and not pursue it and. You know, you really have to redefine those roles and really think about how they affect your communication patterns. And it, it could be a spouse. Um, I remember my aunt saying her husband had cancer, my uncle, and, you know, the last few weeks of life, she goes, he was just like a child wandering around here, you know, didn't know when he's supposed to go to the bathroom, and I had to feed him. She goes, I felt like I had another child. And, you know, it can, it's really kind of playing number with your brain. You have to really be very conscious of, of those roles and how they affect caregiving. And part of it is like Mike grew up with his with his dad and saw him as a very strong, powerful man. Yep. And not knowing any better, you know, just between us, we started calling him Junior because his <laughs> behaviors were so childlike. Yeah. Um, yep. Now we did not treat him like a child. And when my dad came to visit, um, because he was a bit older than Roger, he was senior and Roger was junior. Um, but yeah, it's it's they look the same outside. They do, and you're still sometimes you're still the, that child inside, or you know, even as an adult. Yeah. You know, and you're not used to maybe being vulnerable, and and that part of yourself that um has to admit your parent is getting older and more dependent. That's that was that was difficult for me to see Superman. I mean, he was a quarter step below Superman uh, to yeah. me and to see him as frail. And, and he was absolutely fearless my whole life. And yep, here he yep. was afraid of things. And yeah. that that really played played tricks on my head yep. um, that yeah. I, I had a hard time dealing with that with my dad. But before we let you go, Nancy, you have a caregiver's newsletter. And that is available off of your website. Yep. Does uh, any of our listeners or anybody else, uh, what do they have to do to get or to sign up for your newsletter? So you can sign up on my website. Um, if you sign up on the first page of my website, you can also get the free caregivers checklist. There's also another place just to sign up. Or you can just email me at, again, at my email address, which you'll put down, where people can... Um, just give me your email address. I don't need anything else. If you want to give me your first name, that's fine. And I will put you on my list. And every month I talk about something different. Um, sometimes last month I talked about parents and how maybe they're taking care of their adult children with different disabilities, Down syndrome or something. Um, I do talk about dementia a fair amount because that's, you know, my experience. And I, I'm very big on resources, so I always have a resources section, and I have a resources section on my um, web on my web page that, you know, I love giving resources for veterans and other people. Right. So that's kind of what I'm big on. How, how can you be the most successful caregiver? Excellent. Well, Miss Nancy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. We really, really appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners got a lot of good information from you. Thank you so much for doing great work. Um, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we well, will. Well, we, we plan to. <laughs> um, 
I was listening so much, I didn't make a, a, a lot of notes. I, I liked the fact, you know, dancing around the issue. Sometimes you're in step and sometimes you're not. And that analogy with caregiving is, yeah. is it's, it's a beautiful way to express it. Right. Um, I liked how she kind of explained the dementia umbrella. And, you know, many times we've done that. But just to reinforce it again, dementia, like cancer, is an umbrella term. You can have breast cancer, liver cancer, esophageal cancer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can have Lewy body dementia, frontal temporal dementia, Alzheimer's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That dementia is an umbrella term. I would like it if people wouldn't, you know, we got used to calling it just Alzheimer's. Right. If we refer to it as Alzheimer's dementia, that might take some of that confusion away. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that she offers the documents checklist, and that is, here's where these important documents are located. So whoever is there at any given time can find those important documents. And another thing that she said was having an understanding of how your roles have changed. And you adjust your behaviors based on your roles, but you also have to adjust your communication. Absolutely. In those roles, too. So I, I as usual, I learned a lot from, from <laughs> Miss Nancy. <laughs> we learn every time we do this, that's for sure. Yes, we do. To find out more about Nancy and get links to her website and books, visit rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.